Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Hello and welcome once again to The Struggle is Real, the relationship talk series by Family Bridges, recording directly from the 2017 NARMI Summit in beautiful Denver, Colorado. I'm Veronica Avila. And on this side, I am Omar Ramos. Welcome, everyone. During this series, we're talking with some of the most influential relationship experts in the U.S., including our very own resident expert, Dr. Lisa Los, who's been obviously joining us during these podcasts. She's a clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and author of The Struggle is Real. So we would like to thank her for her collaboration to these podcasts. Also, we have a very special podcast going on today, Veronica. That's right. It's called Raising Future Spouses, How to Raise Marriageable Children. Take notes, parents. We have special guests, Ron and Kathy Tijerina. Ron is an innovator with the ability to see past obstacles to accomplish great things. Now, his dynamic and inspiring leadership has helped him transform tens of thousands of lives across the country. We also have his wife, Catherine Tijerina, who's a catalyst for change. And both Ron and Kathy are authors, nationally renowned speakers, co-executive directors of The Ridge Project, which is a nonprofit organization they founded together. Catherine is a passionate advocate for struggling families. Welcome both Ron and Kathy. So we have some uh, superstars with us today. <laughs> yes. Sure. I, was, I was waiting for some music. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having us. We are we are blessed to be here in yeah. a beautiful what state of Colorado and to really have the great opportunity to sit and and really have a discussion with you guys. So thanks for inviting us and having us. Yeah, for sure. So that passion was born in the uh, crucible of her own personal tragedy when her husband, Ron, was convicted of a crime he did not commit. In that moment, she discovered that there was little to no support for uh, vulnerable families, especially families who had a loved one in prison, a group that she terms forgotten victims. Once again, welcome, Kathy and uh, Ron Tijerina. You guys were a couple that was able to live through uh, a very serious moment of a lot of crisis in your life. How old were your children when this happened and how did you manage to overcome this? Yeah, Omar, so our, when Ron went to prison, our sons were almost three. So our one son was just a couple of weeks from being three and our other son was four years old. It was traumatic. I mean, here we are, this, this struggling little family just trying to make it and then just completely disrupted by prison mm-hmm. and just not having any support around us to really help us understand what is it we needed to do to not just for us to make it, mm-hmm. but also to create a legacy for our children so that our children would have the best possible chance at having a great future. As Ron went to prison, I found myself on welfare with these two little boys. And I remember just waking up one day and having to go get free stuff, right? So, because I had no job, I had no money, my husband's in prison. So I'm going standing in line and I go bring this stuff home and I'm looking at all these used toys for Christmas and thinking, holy cow, like the life that we are giving to our children is this secondhand castaway life that nobody else wants. But this is kind of what they're being handed. And it just struck me, we have to do something different. And we have to be really, really intentional Mm -hmm. to make sure that our children do not have to suffer because of this circumstance that we found ourselves in. Now, real quick, Kathy, I know we're talking about, this is what we woke up to, but the process of waking up was, if you don't mind, Kathy, share the story about the teddy bear. 
yeah. uh, really yeah. seeing it. Yeah. So like when I said that these, these used toys, I remember looking at, at that teddy bear that actually was given to my son, my three-year-old son. And I remember thinking, okay, so this is like totally bizarre is I'm imagining this mom like collecting the toys and thinking, I, I'll just throw these away. Oh wait, here's an ad to give toys away for needy kids. Mm-hmm. You know what? Instead of throwing it away, I'll give it to Kathy's son, which of course she didn't know me. She didn't know my son, but it just felt like, you know, let me give leftovers that I don't want that aren't good enough for my children mm-hmm. to somebody else's kids. And it just struck in me this purpose and this strength and almost, I think, determination that, you know what, doggone it, my kids are going to have the exact same opportunity mm-hmm. as any other two-parent home with the parents are both there contributing to their kids' lives. I am not going to let them suffer with the castaway disposable life. That's a great attitude. That's a great <laughs> attitude. It's a great message of hope for other parents that are suffering, even if it's not that one parent isn't in prison, just who are struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling. There's a message of hope there. So listen to this because today's going to get really interesting. We're going to listen to our first skit. It's called Diary of a True Romantic. September 4th. 1998. Dear Diary, my name is Jeremy. I'm in the fourth grade. Her name is Patricia, and she's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I was sitting in the first day of Mrs. Durkin's class, and I turned around to hand back a worksheet, and her eyes hit me like sunshine in the winter. Even when I handed her the paper, she was saying thank you very much, very much. She didn't need to add that part. I think she likes me too. Ladies and gentlemen, I've found my soulmate. September 4th, 2001. Well, I've officially started high school and there's cute girls everywhere. Seems like I can't turn left or right without seeing a babe. It's Babe City. So how do I make headway of all this? I don't know. I guess I'll figure it out in time. Oh, I really wish my voice would change. I mean, the girl behind me in social studies is so pretty. And the girl that sits across from me in algebra looks like a model. BRB, when I perfect my own model voice. September 4th, 2005. College is swarming with beautiful women. And I don't think they're ready for this pearly voice. I may have struck out in high school, but my soulmate's out here. Hashtag soulmate. September 6th, 2011. Well, college wasn't the smorgasbord I was hoping for, but I'm so lucky I got hired at an awesome job at a magazine. I mean, there's plenty of beautiful women here, and I know they're like me. I mean, they work at the magazine, I work at the magazine, we already have something to talk about, and boy, are they lucky they get to hear this voice. Let's get it going, a hubba hubba. September 9th, 2045. I finally made it to sunny Florida to begin my retirement from the magazine industry. 
as a single man. I think there should be plenty of eligible bachelorettes and widows for an eligible bachelor like myself. And if there aren't any widows now, there will be soon. <laughs> Why did I smoke so much? All right, my goodness, we saw, we, you heard this poor guy. He was so in love with the idea of, of what love was to him. He was waiting for that perfect woman, for that perfect opportunity. He never found it. He missed love. Does this happen often? Do you guys think this happened? I mean, you guys had it. You guys went through a tough situation and you were still married. You stuck around. You talked about the teddy bear. It empowered you to continue to keep on going. And then we see this guy that he just never saw that opportunity to actually find love. Why do you think this happens? Is it that people are too picky? Is it that people are trying to, to find the perfect match and it's never the perfect match? Ron, Kathy, do you want to go first? Yeah, I know some guys like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do. And they're like 40, 50 years old and they still got their shirt unbuttoned to the middle of their chest and they're still walking around like John Travolta trying to have that, what they call the swag, right? Mm -hmm. And and understand that they're wearing a toupee, you're wearing a wig, dude. Let it go. <laughs> um, and holding on to what something that isn't real. You know, your, your, your name of your show is The Struggle is Real, but they're not being real with themselves. They're still living in a warped type of way. The thinking is that they are all that in a bag of chips when really you're an empty bag. Hmm. So you're still looking for love and all the wrong, when, when they haven't really begin to even understand what does it mean to be a man of integrity, a man of honor. And it isn't so much of what you're saying or how you say it or what you think you hear because people are watching the fruit that you create. The actions speak louder than words. And one of the key problems that we see, not just for men, but men and women, having the problem that comes from our society really viewing people as objects, like everybody is, exists to make me happy and meet my needs. Mm -hmm. And so when you objectify people, then you can't form real relationships and then people run. I mean, I love that. We recently saw a whole slew of guys that had spray painted the top of their balding heads, had super tight shirts on, mm -hmm. all unbuttoned down to here. And that just the way that they were even looking at women was just very objectifying and thinking you're not going to meet your soulmate when you're on the prowl. You mentioned something about a, being a man of integrity, a man of honor. Can you talk to us more about that? The story that we heard, we heard his own evolution. The, the little boy grew up to become a man or a grown man with still the little boy issues. All that insecurities. He was hoping everywhere he went, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And he kept looking for something that wasn't never there because he never understood what I didn't hear him say was in his own growth you know what I'm not going to try to find a woman I just want to do good I want to be good and if that comes let me just change the world around me versus because he never changed mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right even all the way to when he went to the trailer park in Florida right he, he went to the retirement center mm -hmm. and he was still stuck on stuck in fourth grade mentality yeah. In creating something in his own illusion and it was it's a fictitious story but it's so true with the men that we get to help reinvent and really deal with that 
culture of the entitlement. See, he was walking around thinking, look at me. I'm entitled to you to look at me. You're privileged to just be in my sphere of influence to hear my voice. <laughs> you should pay me, right? That's yeah. this guy. He's growing yes. up. And so he, he had that nature, and, and that was in his workplace, in his school, college, everywhere he went. You should feel honored to be in my presence just to hear my voice. And we actually know an individual who actually carries himself in a way like that and I'm not gonna say no names like that but we know we know more than one we know more than one person like that again it's back to that entitlement mentality yeah where he believes that you owe me just because I'm here next to you hmm and that's what I got out of that story Kathy you were just mentioning uh, soulmates a little while ago and we would love to know how did you both find out that you were meant for each other and how, and how did you make it work through thick and thin yeah well Look at me. (laughs) (laughs) That's my life. That's That's my life. You were not talking about yourself. (laughs) (laughs) No, of course not. This this was my line. Well, just look at him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Thank you, sweetheart. I like that one better. It doesn't come across the same when you say it about yourself. (laughs) Well, see, like the guy on the radio, the narcissist, I understand that nature. Yeah. (laughs) So so I tell people this is my favorite husband. So I had the before prison husband who was very narcissistic and very much all about himself. And then the during prison husband that really transformed and really cared about us, but he really couldn't contribute. He wasn't really happy with the bills or parenting except for by distance. And then I got this guy, right? Who's the real deal. And so he's my favorite. I fell in love with Ron. Okay, so I was maybe sort of kind of a little bit of a groupie. I can't believe I'm going to actually admit it. What? Ooh. Yeah, I know. I know. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. I saw him play the drums and the thing that I liked wasn't necessarily him playing the drums, but when he got done playing the drums, like this smile on his face and the smile was like like wow I just put out so much of myself into this and this this pride and I just really connected with that and thought yeah wow here he is just really it took all this practice and all this dedication and then this sense of pride of accomplishment and I just fell in love with that anyway I really liked it and then I learned to fall in love with him and the potential inside of him he's just he's a great thinker super creative wants to change the world and it just drew me to him we can see that we can feel that <laughs> after how many years of marriage 31 this past June 7th. Yeah. Ooh, wow. 31 years. 31 years. Yeah. And she still likes me. No, I, I like you <laughs> Very again. Much so. I like you again. <laughs> we love that. Okay. Now, in a world where we've heard that over 50% of marriages and then divorce, how do we help our kids look forward to marriage when society says that it's crumbling? I think that the number one thing is whether or not the parents of mom and dad are still married, like modeling healthy relationship behavior is huge. It's huge. And my sons, our sons, I'm so grateful because one of the things that they both have said to us is, you know, when the whole world was saying it didn't matter whether your marriage made it or not. I mean, dad was in prison and they're just basically saying your marriage is disposable. It's okay for you to throw in the towel. And you guys fought so hard for it. They said it just spoke so loudly to us because we saw not just love, not just lust, not just fun, but commitment. And it was like, we can see that also in parents that are no longer married. If they learn to to value and respect each other and, and speak to each other and communicate in healthy relationship ways, that goes so far with their kids because if all they see is unhealthy behaviors, then any relationship becomes dangerous and they back away from it. You know, I think one of the things when I hear both our sons, Blake and Brandon, and they're, you know, they're married, they're great men, they're both fathers. And we're so proud of the passion they bring to being a father. 
me having to be honest with my history and my infidelity and these things of growing up, a grown man with little boy issues, right? I'm married, but I'm still a kid mentally, right? Uh, spiritually and physically, all these things. And then really confessing to my sons and they're getting ready to go into a marriage, into a relationship and then talking to them. Listen, when you face these temptations, this is the choice that I made, but this is the outcome of that bad decision. Let me show you that if this comes at your way and you face this, make this decision so you won't have the same outcome that we had to go through. But make it now, make that determination right now that when it comes, because it's going to come, because greater men than us have fallen. It, when that temptation comes, whatever it is, money, fame, or women, mm-hmm. you can say no to it. You can already have conquered it today. So when it does come, you're not. it's not a big deal to say no, mm. right? And I think when we talk about preparing, in this case, men to become that husband where they know who they are as a man, it's not by trial and error anymore because there is a manual. Mm-hmm. And if you got the healthy mom and dad and you have healthy parents, there's your manual. You can watch what they exemplify and the things, you, you know, most couples that we work with, we hear this, I don't want my parents' marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that's something that we're combating. We want to see how, how can we change the story to where we hear children say, I want a marriage like my parents, where when the fire was up, when it was cold, when everything was happening, at the end of the day, they were always committed to, at the end, we are one, right? right? And so... The issues that Kathy and I have faced, we've learned through hard work and perseverance to take that issue, whatever it is, from between us and put it in front of us. And then we stand side by side facing the issue together versus I see it my way and you see it your way. And we've really taught our sons to listen. You know, you guys are going to go through what you go through. It is what it is. But you're a team. Mm -hmm. And I think when they can see that, friends first. Mm -hmm. You know, we really teach you got to be a friend of your wife. Mm. Uh, You're a friend of your wife. The bedroom's a breeze. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say that? Of course. Of course. (laughs) Everything is fair game. (laughs) All right, so we're going to move on to our next scenario. (laughs) Our next scenario, uh, this is called, How Do I Tell Her? I lost my job. I lost my job. I lost my job. Oh, my God. What am I going to tell Samantha? Maybe it's not for real. You know, I'll, yeah, I'll send him an email when I get home, and I'll just make my case. Oh, no, that won't work. What am I going to tell my wife? We just bought a car, this stupid car. Why did I have to go and get the upgrade? Like, I really need a sunroof. God, there's no sun shining for me right now. <sighs> I can't believe this stupid company can't manage itself right. They have to let me go. I did a good job. Oh my gosh, Samantha is going to kill me. Maybe I can tell her I finally have time to fix the roof. Yeah, that'll ease her down. She hates that roof. God, why did we buy anything? God, I am stuck with so much stuff. If this had happened even just a, a year ago, I'd be able to downsize, but now I don't know. I don't know. There she is, outside the house, painting the lawn furniture. She is an angel. An angel that is going to kill me. Hey, sweetie. Welcome home. Oh, no. What's wrong? I... I... um... Here, here, Hank. Do do, do you want me to grab you a glass of water? You look like you have a fever or something. I lost my job. Oh. Honey, I'm so sorry. I'm the one who's sorry. I mean, 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 the the bills are just going to stack up. Hey, hey, don't worry about that now. It's going to be okay. I am here for you for better or worse, right? It'll be okay. I need to sit down. Oh, you're mad, aren't you? I can see it. I'm not mad. Really? Really, really. Robert's a jerk. 
I didn't want to say it while he was your boss, but he has garlic breath. (laughs) (laughs) I, I love you, honey. I love you, too. Now I'm going to need you to stand up. You're sitting in wet paint. Huh? Oh, oh gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. Here, here, messing here, everything here. up. I'll, I'll sit with you. Wow, I have married the coolest woman ever. You know, I could sit here until the paint dries. So we just heard Samantha and Hank. Hank was freaking out because he lost his job. He didn't know how Samantha was going to react. He's got all these thoughts in his mind. And I'll ask Ron and Omar, you guys are men. Mm-hmm. I don't know, as a husband, as a provider, what could possibly be going through his mind on his way home? Well, a uh, sense of maybe rejection from his uh, significant other. You feel embarrassed, like you've uh, created or you brought maybe disappointment to the family, to your home. And it's like the last thing you want to do because sometimes you feel like, I don't know. You feel like you're the main breadwinner mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you've dropped the ball and you're bringing issues instead of something that actually helps the family move forward, you know? Spoken like a true healthy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but when I was Hank. <laughs> when I was Hank. When I was Hank, it. man. I'm going to tell you, it wasn't nothing like that. I'm like, God, you know, I'm cussing in my car. I'm on my way home. When dude got fired, well, I got to tell my wife I lost another job. You know, it was my fourth job in 30 days. Gosh, dang it. Well, what do I say this time? Hmm. And I was able to come up with a lot of lies, right? Mm. And because I was getting high mm. and they were, and I was always drinking and, you know, I'm 22 years old, you know, dime, jobs are a dime a dozen. They should be happy I work for them. Mm. Right. And I'm, and that was my mindset. That was my attitude. And I was able to find a job every other week. I'm getting a new job when we first got married because all I did was play music. Kathy mm-hmm. mentioned I'm a percussionist. And, and so I would get a gig on the weekend and Kathy would say, so how much money are you going to make this weekend? All oh, the beer I could drink. You know? And that was my mindset. Mindset. Yeah. So when I got fired from a job, no big deal, because I'm going to go practice some more on the music, and I'm going to play, and I'm going to do all this. Bec- and, and, but then when I started growing up, mm-hmm. and then I really needed a job, because I wanted to get a, a nice car. I didn't want to get the $200 clunker anymore. And, and I remember the first job I really wanted, and I didn't pass the drug test. Right. And then that was when I experienced, oh, my gosh, how am I going to tell Kathy? Because she already gave me the warning. If I can't get a job, she's going to go home. And that's when it began to, you know, when I had to start really, I'm sorry. Then I began to apologize. I began to own. By then, you know, a lot of the things, you reap what you sow one way or another. So all those things I had put into place, they were getting ready to come in different forms to where poverty sucks being broke, right? Go to the welfare office. But being Hank, having to apologize to Kathy when I began to really own my own experience and just hoping Kathy would understand. And she did. Um, (laughs) Because, I mean... I'll go get another job, babe. I'll go get a job. And it went from getting a job, sweeping the broom, whatever, whatever it was. What I'm hearing is exactly right. So the attitude and the whole scenario is completely different, whether or not you are healthy, healthy as an adult and healthy in, as a relationship or unhealthy as an individual in an unhealthy relationship, because that whole scenario could have gone completely the other way if both Hank had been unhealthy and his wife unhealthy because then he would have gone home like, oh, well, and then she would have been, you know, angry and frustrated and and feeling unprotected. But because Hank 
recognized his responsibility and walked in, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I mean, then she could join him in the, hey, we're partners in this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is no big deal. We are going to get through this together. The foundation of just having healthy relationship cannot be overemphasized because when you have healthy at home, that extends into every other area of your life. Definitely. You know, we're finding out with the couples that we work with today that when they're dysfunctional at work, the dysfunction doesn't begin at work. It's at home. So we're working with companies to help bring stability in the workplace. And they're finding out, they're really listening. Okay, so we're doing everything we can at work, but why ain't it working? I said, because the problem isn't at work, it's at home. That's so true. It it will spill over. It will, even if you don't want it to. It That's will. right. What would be the best advice that you could uh, tell men that maybe feel insecure or scared about not being able to provide for his family? What would you say to them? Mm, good question. If there, if there are men out there right now that are struggling to get a job, they got a great resume, but they're, they're just getting a lot of no's and they feel rejected from the, the workforce mm-hmm. and then they're, and they feel like they're losing their manhood or losing their place as that provider, you know, the breadwinner. Be the best husband you can be. You know, it ain't nothing wrong with being a cheerleader. It might not be your season to go out and get that job right now. Maybe there's a reason why you got to be home and maybe your lady is, she's right now going out and getting the word. Then you got to do everything you can to see that she is successful in whatever she's doing. And that means if you got to vacuum, if you got to wash the dishes, if you got to do the laundry, if you got to take care of the kids, if you got to pack the lunches, then do whatever it takes, dad or husband, because that road doesn't stop because you're not working, mm-hmm. right? It just exemplifies the man that you are because. A, a true man of grit, a true man of, of hard uh, a worker, uh, integrity, you know what? Okay, you know what? I don't have a job today. I'm going to go out and get one tomorrow. But right now, I got a lot of work to do at home, right? Because I'm a father first. Work is second. I'm a husband first. Work will come. Mm-hmm. Those are your two main priorities. And that's when, when a man is insecure because they don't got a job, their priorities are wrong. Because if you're a husband and you're a father, that's number one. The work will come. Love it. And for women, how do we teach them to be that good, supportive wife or girlfriend? That is a big one. I actually just recently had this conversation with some some young ladies and the whole warped idea of what women and men should be in the relationship. And so these young girls are thinking, you know, well, I'm supposed to tell him and they're degrading these boys, they're cussing at them, they're swearing, you better get your butt up, you know, you better answer me, you better this. And I'm like, whoa, what are you hearing this? And they're like, we're supposed to be assertive. And I'm like, well, no, you're, you're supposed to be collaborative, first of all. Second of all, like you're way too young to even be thinking that way. And so as I was working with a, a group of young women who had just recently gotten married and they had all this stress in their relationship about what their husband wanted to do and his dreams and and she's just feeling like all this risk. And I said, you know, some of the best advice that I was given by mentors in my life was one, when you love the man, you love the dream. Mm-hmm. And that's just all there is to it. So whatever it takes. So as you support him and his dream, then that releases in him the ability to love you even deeper and cherish you and support you in your dreams. But if you withhold that support from him, then it creates a divide between the two of you. And it does not facilitate that healthy relationship that you desperately want. So trying to control the relationship, trying to be a dictator and assert that I I am woman and I am a warrior Mm -hmm. is not going to create the relationship that you're really looking for. You love him, love his dreams. And then that allows him to support you in your dreams. Awesome. I want to share some uh, facts and benefits of being married. 
and this is what we put together here, marriage and a normative commitment to marriage fosters high quality relationships between adults as well as between parents and children. Also, both married men and women enjoy better health on average than do single or cohabiting or divorced individuals. And last but not least, married people, especially married men, have longer life expectancies than do otherwise similar singles. So, Ron, it seems like if you're married, you'll uh, live a lot longer life. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping so. <laughs> you know, That's I, a win-win for everyone, right? That's you know, right. <laughs> you know, I, my, my dad is up visiting us right, uh, in Ohio. He's just headed home to, today. He, my parents live in Florida. They were married 44 years before they got a divorce. And he's now, how old is dad? He's about 77. 78, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's up there at eight. So my parents were married 44 years. I came home from prison. They got a divorce. And they went through our stuff and stuff. They got remarried nine years later, mm-hmm. back to each other which was awesome. And my dad is seeing all his people that he grew up with. He's come back. They're no longer here. They went home. They went, they, mm-hmm. they passed away. And I want to say, you know what? That is so true. I'm seeing the joy between my mom and dad today. They're friends now. Mm-hmm. They're best friends. I really believe that when you find that friend, right, that you can cry with, you can laugh with, right, you can dream with, man, not only are you alive and you're, you're able to dream and create together, you're seeing life happen within you, but more importantly, it's pouring out of you into other people's lives. And I think that's reciprocal. And as you're pouring life into others, you're revitalizing your inner self, your inner being, and you're constantly like rejuvenating. You stay young, no matter what the physical apparatus happens, you stay young and you're thinking and you're moving and you're adventuring and you're always in an adventure when you're walking together. I really believe that. Yeah. And we can see that. <laughs> you guys both look so young and so full of life. I love it. I love it. Let's go to our uh, next scenario, which is actually the last one. It's called Raising the Perfect Husband. Oh, wow. Ooh. Okay, Reggie, now how do you fold a towel? Okay, fold it in half and then fold it three wise like you're folding a piece of paper for an envelope. 18 out of 20. Okay, now where do we keep the garbage bags? In the bottom of the garbage can so we can easily switch them out. 19 out of 20. When's laundry day? Uh, Sunday, so I'm going to have clean clothes for the week. 20 out of 20. <sighs> what is it, Mom? Isn't, isn't 20 out of 20 good? You're going to make the perfect husband. That's what I'm training for. Your father, I love him, but he doesn't do any of this stuff. I mean, he never does laundry. He once put a red shirt in with white sheets. Wouldn't that make everything pink? Everything pink. But you have to understand how to handle all this stuff on your own. And if you ever have a partner, how to navigate the home ec stuff. Home ec? Home economics. That was a high school class that used to teach us this stuff. Like cooking? Yep. How to keep your house in order? Yep. Everything you need to be the boss of your own home. I'd take that class. Sounds fun. Well, in my day, it was mostly girls. Why? Well, I guess people saw this stuff as women's work. Women's work, huh? Isn't all work just work? (gasps) Mom, what's wrong? I'm just... I just get super proud of you sometimes. Thanks, Mom. Hey, I've been meaning to ask, what makes a salad fork different? just love you. Thanks, Mom. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. Somebody <laughs> slapped that boy. Oh, sorry. Ron. <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> no, we heard a very excited Mora <laughs> teaching her son Reggie to be the perfect husband. At least what she thought would be the perfect husband. She's obviously trying to change the pattern that right. she lived with her husband. And it's pretty fair, you know, equal share of responsibilities. Now, is this a healthy way to change old patterns? What do you think? <laughs> I'm going to say not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I see Brown over there struggling. <laughs> Breathing really deep. I don't, I don't think I quizzing... Know. And restate, okay, do this, do this, because, you know, your dad, using the dad as a bad example, mm. I do not think is actually preparing them for the best marriage. Because they're looking at that marriage and saying, okay, well, somehow marriage was faulty, or my mom wouldn't be trying to prepare me to be a better husband. And I really think it goes back to, again, the healthy relationships and modeling healthy behavior. And managing expectations, I think, is much more important than trying to prepare somebody to meet somebody's expectations. Because no matter how well you know, yes, I totally agree that both boys and girls need to be equipped and prepared to live their lives without needing Mm -hmm. somebody else, but just wanting to spend their life with somebody, but not needing to. And yet they also need to understand that, you know, they're going to go into this relationship and they have to manage their expectations that the way that each were raised, they're going to have completely different ways of folding the towels, completely different ways of washing Mm -hmm. clothes. And they're going to have to create their own home economic operating system. What I didn't hear was the great things about dad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's what I would have loved to hear in that quiz. You know what? Yeah. Dad wasn't good at the home ec class. You know, he didn't take it at school. You know, he didn't go in there and learn how to cook. He didn't know how to measure a flower and all that type of stuff. But what the great things that dad can do, son, let me impart those things to you. Let me show you how to change the oil in your car so you can save money, Mm -hmm. so you can pay the electricity bill. Let me let me show you these things. And what are the things that dad might do that mom apparently is taking for granted mm-hmm. in this scenario here that I heard? That <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> Speaking up for dads. Yeah, you know, right. you know that mm-hmm. this, this father, yeah, he wasn't all what she wanted him to be. But you know what? I believe that because the young man is still wanting to be teachable. And you know what? I want to be the great uh, husband. I think dad is doing a good job because he's listening to mom. He's not, and he's not bad mouthing dad in this, mm-hmm. in the script. So I, I really appreciate that. And he didn't really let her, she didn't say anything bad about him, but the only thing she said was he's never done any of these things. And I think the negative thing was, I wish he wouldn't have done. Cause my job for Kathy as a husband to my kids, even when, when our weaknesses, my job is to cover, not expose. Of course. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm for Kathy important and, and that's what I think mom forgot here she forgot to cover not expose to, to quiz you know life is a quiz yeah and we're going to be tested every day and we're not going to pass it every day but we learn by our mistakes and we become better not bitter despite them I think that preparing a son or be, you know, right now we have a 14 year old girl and we're preparing her to become a virtuous woman right a strong individual woman dependent yet interdependent Right. I want her to know that, you know what, you can do these things. You don't have to be dependent upon a man to do them. But when you do find that man, it's a gift that you have somebody that can do them for you or with you. Or with you. Right. Right. Great lesson. And I I like that. Cover, not expose. That could be like the name of a future skit for sure. Yes. Cover, not exposed. exposed. I love that. Well, uh, here are some more benefits of marriage. So listen up. Everybody that's tuned in right now, children who live with their married parents enjoy better physical health on average than do children in other family forms. And parental divorce or failure to marry appears to increase children's risk of school failure. Would you agree to that? Oh, absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, we see that borne out in our clients' lives, but also in our son's lives. So when Ron went to prison, both of our sons had asthma. They were much more prone to be getting sick. And now Ron came home. We have our daughter and like she's never sick ever. And they've got the same genes, right? You know, not blue jeans like hand me downs, <laughs> but jeans like Ron and Kathy. Those jeans. two, of yeah. Course. <laughs> DNA, baby. We call that DNA. DNA. <laughs> oh goodness! So definitely a good marriage will benefit the kids, and we we all know that. Now, thank you for a great conversation on how to raise marriageable children. Any closing thoughts? Life is tough all by itself, you know. And you guys are saying the struggle is real. Yeah, but you can pick it. Mm-hmm. Pick your struggle. My struggle is not your struggle. And I don't want your struggle. Mm-hmm. I got enough struggles all by myself. A lot of times people meddle and don't allow people to grow. We want our daughter who we're raising to, you know what? I need her to struggle. Because if I do it for her, if I give her that quiz and I'm, you know, I need her to, to learn now and figure it out to where when she does get married, she's already been through the life lessons. She's experienced a lot of things. And so that's what we do with our sons. You know, I, we watch from a distance and when in case of emergency break glass, that's what we wait for. And we're not trying to... And the, and the great thing is, rarely does an emergency ever happen. They don't... Our two sons, we are so proud of them. Uh, for me growing... Them growing up, visiting me in a state penitentiary for so long right? They are powerful young men. They're great husbands. They're learning and growing. And that's what we can expect from anybody. As long as you're willing to learn and grow in your marriage. And grow from the struggle. Yeah. And grow from it. What a great lesson. Well, ladies and gents, don't forget to download the Struggle is Real app so you don't miss any of these very interesting topics. Find blogs, tips, and more on social media with the hashtag the struggle is real. I repeat, hashtag the struggle is real or simply Hashtag TSIR. And download the Family Bridges app for additional resources. And also, Ron and Kathy, where can people find you? Tyro, T-Y-R-O, 365.com, uh, theridgeproject.com. And I don't know my handle on Twitter. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look me up as Kathy. Uh, you can Tierina. find me. I'm, I'm doing, I've been doing something. My son's got me doing something with Ron Tierina on YouTube, playing some congos, doing a little bit of Ricky and Lucy, cool. like mini Ricky. So just yep. be a little fun. Yeah. On YouTube, Tyro TV. Tyro TV. T Y R O. Tyro, in fact, is a Latin word which means apprentice, novice, someone learning something new, a warrior. And that's what we, you're dealing with couples. They got to understand you're, you're in a fight together, not at each other, but with each other. Right. Love that. Love Ricky that. Ricky and well, Lucy thanks. as in I love Lucy? Yes. That's, oh. I'm Ricky and this is Lucy. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. Of course. <laughs> All right. Thanks again for being with us, Brian and Kathy. It's been it's a, a pleasure. pleasure. And thank you for tuning in to the Struggle is Real Relationship Talk Series all the way from the NARMI Summit 2017. I'm Veronica Avila. And on this side, Omar Ramos. Till next, next time. time. Thank you. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.